welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hey Team Motivate, it's Matt Payne here for another episode of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, powered by Motivate Training. Got to say, I'm pretty pumped for what you're going to hear in this pod. Joining us today is Luke King, one of the most charismatic drivers on the rise in Australian motorsport. If you don't know Luke, he's the front runner in this season's Super Cheap Auto TCR Australia Series for Audi. He's a master networker, doing whatever he can to be sponsored to get on track. Embodied by his sponsorship this year from Chinese liquor brand Maotai Beiju. He started through the traditional ranks coming through karting Formula Ford and the Toyota 86 series and is now in TCR and has an awesome story about a last minute trip to China to race. Luke has some terrific advice on how important it is to keep building your network and keep working hard off the track to make sure you get on it. It isn't easy for many people to be upfront in meeting new people and Luke opens up on some of his challenges along with many of the inspirations throughout his career. Although Luke has an impressive list of mentors, we try and dig deeper on what it takes to build your personality and the importance of finding a point of difference without having a crazy ego. Motivate Training is the leader for your race training needs, from fitness, nutrition, mindset to media training and sponsorship advice. Jump on to motivatetraining.com.au, that is M-O-T-I-V number 8, and check out our packages or reach out to our team with a question. You can find us on email or all the social platforms. In the meantime, start your engines and enjoy our chat with Luke King. And joining us this week on the Motivate Training Motorsport Coaching Podcast is TCR Australia driver, Luke King, Mr. Maltai. How are you, mate? <laughs> Good, thank you, mate. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be on the, on the podcast without representing the sponsors, as you can see. So <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, no, no. So uh, we'll get into uh, that Maotai sponsorship um, a little bit further in the chat because it's pretty exciting and um, especially to have a unique brand like that um, in Australian motorsport. But, uh, mate, it's great to have you with us. I've been wanting to do this for uh, uh, for quite some time. How did motorsport start for Luke King? Um, so my father uh, was the one that uh, that put me into racing. Um, I don't think I really had a choice. It was one of those things where dad was working in the industry and I was the first one out of my other two brothers to sort of take to it. And like I was playing with matchbox cars and all that sort of thing ever since I can remember, really. So uh, dad worked in for Peter Malloy in his engine shop um, and they did all of the Ford dealer teams and the privateer teams back in the in the day when Moffat had his one-two. Uh, dad worked closely with John Goss, Colin Bond in the Ford Sierra days and then moving through to some of the early supercar stuff. Um, and he also worked over in NASCAR for a stint there with uh, Robbie Yates Racing on some of their in- engine performance and development. So, uh, so yeah, that was where it all started for me. And, uh, yeah, haven't uh, stopped going to a racetrack since I was probably about two years old. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And you're from uh, the Central Coast, is that right, of New South Wales? 
Yeah, correct. I was originally born in Richmond in, in Sydney um, and then we moved up to the coast after Dad stopped working for Colin Bond. Um, and, yeah, I think they just wanted a bit of a lifestyle change and we ended up on the coast, which is now a massive growth area. We can't stop people from coming here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a bad part of the world either, just outside of Good. Sydney there. And, um, you know, since that time, obviously, um, how did you start racing? Where did Where did you start racing? Um, so we started racing. So my uncle helped me with my first go-kart. Uh, we couldn't really afford to get into it, but my uncle runs a full drive training and tours business. Uh, he's been operating now for over 40 years. So he's another big influence in the whole driving sphere for me. Um, so he actually sponsored our first go-kart at the age of 12, I think it was. Um, and we started up at Newcastle Kart Racing Club. So um, I know a lot of people have raced up there. Uh, awesome little track. It's got the ski yeah. jump flip-flop over the backside. So pretty cool circuit to, to learn on. Um, remember my first trip around the kart track, I had my visor open the whole time and people were waving at me to put my visor down and I was just waving back at it. <laughs> I was having a great time. Um, so yeah, soon learned, learned pretty, pretty quickly and um, mainly did club racing because that's pretty much all we could really afford to do. Um, and then yeah, cars sort of came a bit later on. Yeah, since that time, you've gone through quite a different, uh, quite a few different categories to uh, to get to where you are now in TCR. Yeah, yeah, I think we've just had to we've just had to do what we what we can really, um, and that was that was our limiting factor. You know, we had uh, through Dad's experience, we had the ability to prep and run most of our own stuff from home. And luckily for me, um, that's that's probably what's got us through, really. And also having having Dad's contacts of drivers that he's known or people in the industry who have been able to to give us a hand um, when we're in a spot of trouble has been, uh, yeah, a, a pretty big part of why we've sort of gotten through. So the money side always had to come as it does for, for everyone. It doesn't matter how much money you've got to, to start with. You've always got to have more in the end to kind of make it in, into the top level. Um, so, yeah, I think we've just shown that persistence pays off, which is something that mum and dad used to always say to me. And we just kept trucking through the, the different categories and, and going as, as long as we could. Yeah, I think, and that's, um, I mean, that, that's the key part of what this podcast is all about is to to inspire young people coming through the sport as to how they need to go about it. And, um, you know, that sponsorship side is something that um, that you've become quite adept at in being able to chase, you know, sponsorships down or getting enough over the line to be able to get onto the racetrack. What have the yep. key things been for you from um, that sponsorship chasing perspective? Um, I think it's just it just comes down to relationships and being able to put yourself out there. Um, the networking side of it for me has been the the biggest part and being able to you know just build a relationship with somebody, uh, whether that be a local business owner, someone who owns a local dealership, whatever it may be, where you can do something for them, and you just never know who these people know. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. You could be, they could be best friends with someone who's your next major sponsor or wants to do some sort of a promotion in motorsport. 
And I think uh, the biggest takeaway that I've had is you don't know if you you don't try. So, um, and you, you know, the the worst thing that can happen is someone says no and you move on to, to the next one. So um, you can't be be scared to try and to, to ask the question because you just never know what's going to come of it. No, that's exactly right. And that's tremendous advice in that, um, you know, realistically, you have to talk to everybody regardless of yeah. where you are. You never know whether it's at the, your local restaurant, whether it's down the pub, yeah. could be at church, could be your local shop, could be anywhere. Um, exactly. You just you don't know who is going to open a door for you uh, that might yeah. have an opportunity. And I think that that is, um, that again, is something that you've become quite good at is being able to build and maintain um, those sort of relationships. Well, I, I remember dad always telling me, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Dick Johnson used to have a thing where no matter who he'd sit next to on a flight, he'd always get their business card or their contact details because or he'd always make an effort to talk to them at least because once again, you just never know who you're going to sit next to for an hour or so and, and have a conversation. Yeah, well, that's right. And I mean, one thing that you are good at is having a chat and talking. So um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that, um, yeah, that's one of those things. It's one of those skills that you've got to continue to practice as well um, on how you address people, how you speak to people. And did you do any sort of training in that sense? Um, I wouldn't say uh, not any formal training, more so just having the... um, the support around me, I suppose, to go and to go and talk to people. Um, I mean, in some of the the work that I'd done, I'd had to do some public speaking. Like as a as a kid in in high school, um, we I got involved with classes there that sort of pushed me down that sort of pathway of being comfortable to talk in front of people, which isn't always easy. Um, and I think that that really helped. And I always knew because of the motorsport side of things, how important media was going to be. So it was kind of one of those things that just sort of came, no, I wouldn't say it came naturally, but I just knew that it had to be done. So whatever I could do to, to enhance the way that I spoke to people uh, or the way I spoke on camera or in an interview or even just on family, like filming, whatever it may be, then I was kind of onto it. So, um, and that's like something I was going to say just before about talking to people is that I think you've got to hold yourself in a certain confidence um, to, to show people that you believe in yourself because when you're out there talking to and networking, talking to potential sponsors or people who can help you, you've got to give off a, a certain air of confidence that you do believe in yourself and this is your kind of life calling, if you will. So, um, so yeah, I think just trying to build up your confidence and be comfortable with yourself is, is a big thing there. Yeah, I think that's that's so true. Um, and I think that uh, while you can be confident, there's a difference between confidence, arrogance, and having an out-of-control ego at the same time. Absolutely. Um, I think if you come across with that degree of confidence, but you don't come across as a smart-ass or whatever, people will actually yeah. gravitate towards you because I think some people um, tend to think that they're going to be the next Formula One driver, um, yeah. which is not 
not necessarily how it's going to be. I mean, for sure, there's a very few number of people that it does happen, but it's about having that degree of humility, which I think that you've got, um, you've got in bucket loads. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you just have to be true to yourself. I mean, there might be there might be some kids out there that that, that works for them if if they are that confident that they're going to be the next Danny Danny Rick and they run into a certain sponsor that just vibes with that, then that's fine. But it took me a very long time, and even like into my twenties, where for for me to be able to say in a in a setting where say Liz and I might've been out together that if someone asks you what you do, you say, I'm a racing driver. For me, that didn't, that didn't come too easily because I just felt like it wasn't, um, I, I don't know. I just felt like I hadn't, hadn't made it to, to that point yet where I could say that. But once I started to actually say it, um, I suppose you start to act more, in that sort of light as if you are that person that you're sort of not portraying but you're you're wanting to be so mm. um i think having the confidence to to say what you really want to do and what you want to be is is a pretty big thing yeah and i think look for a lot of a lot of people it doesn't come naturally and that's that's okay um but it's yeah. one of those things i think that you've just got to practice it um that you've got to keep on keep on going about it and then take opportunities like you as we've sort of hit on you're a natural speaker yet other kids might not be natural speakers uh, but there's no point sort of hiding behind your helmet or hiding behind you go-kart your race car whatever you've got to practice it and put yourself out there otherwise you're not going to go forward because you know if media knows that they can put a camera in front of you and you can actually speak with confidence um be entertaining be interesting the more entertaining and interesting you are the more airtime that you're going to get absolutely and i you know i'm still trying to find my feet with that a bit as well like on some of the tcr telecasts i still feel like my personality hasn't quite got across fully through the camera yet um i'm still just by nature of me always being on the the sponsorship train you know i'm kind of a little bit self-taught in the way of making sure that I always mention the sponsors and I it might come across a little bit too scripted. But I think as you sort of go on, you, you learn which parts of your personality you, you sort of want to let out and we're still sort of getting there and building our brand at the moment. Yeah, no, that's um, that's also good advice. And I think, you know, when it does come to the sponsorship mentions, the craftier that you can be about how you do your sponsorship mentions, it's like I watch a lot of um, the American sport and I'll sit there and I'll reel off 20 different sponsors. It all just kind of gets lost. It's no, yeah. There's no message in that that makes me want to go and support um, that particular sponsor. But I think if you can be crafty in the way that you do it um, and the way that it comes across, I think that that's, um, that's quite important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we we do try and, and do that as, as much as we can. Um, and sometimes, yeah, I suppose, like you say, it, it might even pay for to have a bit of a brainstorming session with someone who's a mate that's, funny and can <laughs> yes. can kind of think of think of funny angles to, to kind of pull so because it doesn't always come as easy in the moment 
No, well, that's right. And I mean, again, it's just down to um, to learning about your sponsor, learning about what their touch points are, like their key messages that they want to get across through the sponsorship and or through what they actually do for business. It's like, in your case, you've got Maotai, which is a very unique brand. Um, it's massive in China, as in that product. Like, tell us what Maotai is. So Maotai is a traditional Chinese spirit. Uh, it's, a, it's a white liquor. It's made from sorghum um, and it's got a, it can only be made in Maotai town in China. So it's very much like a champagne that can only be made in champagne in, in France in the way that it's traditionally made there in that village. And it's a very high-end product uh, in China. So You'll see, or you won't see, but you'll find if you ever go into business in China, you'll be drinking that over a business deal and that is how they kind of bond and it'll be like a dignitary type thing where, you know, maybe if ScoMo is going over there to try and patch up Chinese relations, he <laughs> might have to have a few shots of Mao Tai to try and sort that one out. But, um, but yeah, they are. They're one of the top three liquor brands in, in the world. Um, a lot of people here in Australia haven't heard of them, obviously, but having that base Chinese market of, you know, close to or over 2 billion people, whatever China is now, it's, um, yeah, you don't have to capture much of that market to be, to be one of the top three. No, I mean, it's um, the, the actual product. Uh, what's, is it Baiju? Is that the, what the product is? Yes, it's yeah. Baiju. Um, I mean, you know, you see it at the, another brand at the Australian Open. Um, they sponsor uh, the Australian Open and so on. It's, um, it, it is a massive product in China. What's it like? Yeah. Um, I've actually grown, and this is me being completely honest, I've grown a liking to it. The, the start of the, the flavour is quite, um, it's, I mean, there's a reason they call it fire water. <laughs> um, it's, it, you definitely notice it. But the, the back end of it is, is a bit more like a whiskey um, and it gives you that warm sort of aftertaste that's quite a complex flavour. So, um, yeah, we've, we've done a lot of tastings with people around tracks this year and with friends and family and, you get some people who would have the same reaction to, to vodka, a straight vodka shot. Yeah, you sure. Know, like they just their face winces <laughs> up. But a lot of a lot of people who like drinking their their liquor neat um, enjoy it quite a lot. So yeah, I'm not uh, not promoting this to our yes. under, underage. <laughs> but anyone who's 18 and over and can afford a bottle of Mountai, go for it. Yeah, and I mean we'll get. Uh, further into TCR and so on, but um, you know, obviously, Maotai is a, a Chinese brand. A couple of years ago, uh, you had the opportunity. It was a very last-minute trip to go to China and race over there. How did that all yeah. come about? It was like literally last second, wasn't it? Yeah, that, this was this was pretty cool. Um, something that I'd wanted to do for for a long time, and I suppose this particular story, and I'll try and cut it short for you, um, <laughs> is. It pays tribute to the fact that you always need to, to stay in touch with, with people and no matter how long it takes, eventually someone will listen to you and you'll get a result. So um, I did, I started driver coaching 
back in maybe 2012, 2013 when I was racing Formula Ford. And I got a gig doing the radical drive days out at Sydney Motorsport Park. So just corporate events. And I, the head coach there was James Winslow, who is a UK guy, um, raced F3 overseas. He's done, or he's won the F2, uh, sorry, F3 Drivers' Championship here in Australia twice. Um race a1 gp so he's he's been around and uh and done a lot in the prototype series over you know the past decade i suppose race le mans so i sent james my resume when i first got to to radical and i just said this is who i am and this is what i do and we'd had a chat at the circuit and i just said if there's any opportunities that you know of let me know so Seven years later, James and I hadn't worked together for a while and he just happened to be back here in Australia and he was watching me overtake, I think it was Steve Owen, up at Townsville, race two, I'm pretty sure that was, or race three. And um, and there was an opening for a driver to come over to China to help promote the, the series over there. And he just rang me on the Monday and I was on my way to a sponsor's meeting in from Gosford train station to, to Sydney and he just called me and said hey mate do you want to fly to Beijing this weekend and come and drive an LMP3 huh. and I was like yeah 100% like what's the what's the catch um, and all we had to do was pay for our travel to get there and it was a, a tip in from him basically so he just sort of put the good word in for us to the to the category and um, and it obviously like watched us develop over the years and knew we could do the job. And so, uh, yeah, I flew out with Dad and Liz. We all went on a little four-day holiday to, <laughs> to China. And uh, I think we, we booked our tickets as we uh, – or, sorry, the ticket confirmations came through as we arrived in the bus to the airport. Yeah. So it's no easy feat to be able to get your visas and so on together to go to China um, all in the space of about two days. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the big worry for us because we weren't sure exactly what we needed to do. And by the end of the two or three days, we uh, we had a saying which was be more be more like James and. <laughs> because he basically told me that on the phone because I was stressing about how we're going to get there because the Hong Kong um, riots and university student riots were happening at that time. So we couldn't fly through Hong Kong, um, which is the, the general route that you would go to, to Beijing uh, to activate the four-day travel visa. Oh. And James was just like, stress less, mate, be more like me. And just put the flights. <laughs> and, so, uh, so yeah. And racing, and racing over there. I mean, I've been over to China to um, to a GT race event a few years ago, and um, it is so different to what we're used to here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, rocking up to this particular circuit, there was uh, what you would probably just class as, as working type people in very small apartment blocks all around everywhere. And it was a bit of a culture shock to us flying into China, being a communist country and 
being able to, you know, or just even getting a, a SIM card, you had to, you know, show your passport and IDs and all that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, when we rocked up to the circuit, you've got these people there that are, you know, probably earning less than most of we do in a, in a week. Uh, in a year, sorry, and there's just a like a multi-million dollar racetrack that's been built right next to their apartments. So as we're walking walking through the residential area, all you can hear is LMP3 cars and GT cars practicing on the <laughs> Friday morning. So uh, it was pretty full on. And, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the series and, and especially the race director were really professional like we we thought it was great so um yeah even australia could learn a little bit from from the driver's briefing that i was at (laughs) yeah i mean you know you've got really got to rethink everything um over there i remember um in the middle of a gt3 practice session over there a pentec truck decided to drive down the pit lane and you've got gt3 cars going everywhere um yeah. you know, let's not get into the um the corporate hospitality and that side of things yep. either trying to keep things under control but um yeah no it's <laughs> Very, very, very interesting and um, a terrific, a terrific life experience. And now this year, um, you're on the big stage of TCR, a fantastic category. Um, tell us yeah. how that's come about and your impressions of TCR so far. Yeah, so TCR for me um, was something that we looked at when it obviously had first come out and we showed a, a lot of interest in it. Um We've been lucky enough to have a close relationship with Jason Bright, who obviously raced in the series and won the first inaugural race there. So um, we've been trying to get into the series from that point. Uh, We also, David Wall gave me an opportunity to drive their Honda at the very first um, test day that the TCR had back in 2018. So, um, so yeah, we've been very interested from, from that point on and, being that it was always going to be its own show and its own main game with its own coverage, um, that sort of suited suited us, I think, because we've been, in all honesty, we've been ready as a driver, I think, to take this step for a number of years, but we've never had a category that we could sell to, to sponsors before in the way that TCR provides you. So... The, the selling point of, of TCR, like I said, being its own main game sort of speaks for itself. And the alternatives that we could have gone down this year, um, one of them which has had their race cancelled last weekend, you know, we would have had not much media coverage. We wouldn't have got the chance to run against Mostert, Holdsworth, you know, all those guys um, in the feeder categories to, to supercars. So, you know, for me, it's been a, a big driver development thing as much as it has been a brand building exercise for us to sort of say, here we are, we can we can race against Chaz and we're, we're ready to do anything else that people want to throw at us as well. Yeah, I think the beauty of it is that, um, like, you've got that ability to have a share of voice, which um, a lot of other categories, you kind of get lost in the um, in the milieu of it. But, um, you know, you've got that share of voice and you've got such a brilliant mix of not only um, manufacturers, but drivers as well. Um, so you've got people like, you know, Jason Barguana, a Bathurst winner, Garth 
Tender, um, you know, then there's guys like yourself that are on their way up um, that can actually put themselves out there in front of people um, and, like, you're on you're effectively on a level playing field. I know that's a roundabout way of putting it, but you are on a level playing field um, uh, from a driver's perspective. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's what we uh, not not to bad mouth supercars or anything like that. Like it's it's hard to go into to supercars when you don't have the the right equipment. It's hard to go into any race series when you don't have the right equipment. And I think we we sort of knew that looking at our options when we were when we were talking supercars, and and I think that was one of the big things that played into it for us was TCR. Although it's managed by a BOP, which is completely different, um, it brings a lot of variety, and every car is going to have its weekend. Um, and I suppose when you've got like my situation uh, specifically, when you've got Chaz and Garth running in the same car set up by the same team, there's nowhere to hide in terms of you know, excuses as a, as a driver. So if they're fast, you should be fast. Otherwise you've got work to do. So it's a proving ground for, for us. Yeah, no, that's um, that's very true. And the other side of it is that the cars that we race here in Australia are exactly the same as the cars that they race um, all over the world in other TCRs and the World TCR Championships. So it then presents um, international opportunities if you know what you're doing behind the wheel of one of these things. Yeah, exactly. And for us, that's where we really would like to go. Um, we've obviously, Maotai being on board there, an international brand, we were, I think, probably one of the only Toyota 86 drivers as well to bring in an international brand being Ferdinand Lubricants um, as well. So we've got international partners who could well benefit from, from us being overseas. So I think... The good thing about these partnerships that we've managed to create is that we're not going to be tied to Australia if there's an opportunity that comes up elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I'd certainly, if we if we do well in the championship this year and we can bring home some more good results, it'd be be great to try and get over to to Audi, to their factory, and uh, try and build a relationship over there because, um, yeah, World TCR I think is on this weekend. And, or next weekend, and they're at Nürburgring or the Nordschleife for their first round. So no pressure. Going. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. Uh, mate, that's awesome. And, um, like, obviously the, the road through, it's not just um, about the driver. There's more to it. Who have been some of the people that have been an inspiration to you and assisted along the way? Um, the first one that comes to mind, it's kind of gone in a few stages for me, like growing up. Uh, when we used to go to the circuit as a, as a kid, um, I, I think Dad did a little bit of work for Mark Larkin when he was still based in Sydney. So I, and I loved the Mitre 10 Falcon as a kid, so I used to always go up to Larko's pit go and see him and um, he's given me solid advice over over the years and even as recently as, as last year through COVID. So um, he was probably the first one that I started listening to about sponsorship. Peter Dolman, who I know you know fairly well. Yeah, uh, for better or worse. Another, another <laughs> really good sponsorship man. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, uh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, uh, so, yeah, Pete... Um, John Goss as well, another guy who's 
great in front of the camera. Um, the Goss family are really good family friends with with us. So, uh, and John's kind of like a grandfather in a in a way, really, and a father to dad as well. So, um, so yeah, we've had a lot of good people in in our corner, and probably the most recent has been Jason Bright. Um, not only is Brighty obviously talented, and that's why he got to to Indy, um, but He's, he's also very technical in the car, which is a great help, but his commercial nous and, and being able to do deals outside the car are second to none as well. So, um, yeah, through a lot of the COVID stuff, I was bouncing ideas off, off him and sort of checking what he thought was acceptable and, and where we should go. So, yeah, you, you need good people around you to be able to, to talk to and bounce things off. Yeah, without doubt. And what's some of the best advice that you've had throughout your career? Um, probably not on a sponsorship side of things, but I'll I'll give Pete a shout out here. And he always used to tell me every corner, every lap. Yeah. So only just started to realize what he actually means by that. So um, we actually had that so, chat um, last time I spoke to him. I think it was just after uh, Philip Island, it might have been, and um, he brought yep. that up and said that yep. you you referenced that very uh, very closely. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been a good one over the years, and like you can kind of apply it everywhere, I suppose. Really, like yeah, just just a, explain explain that a little bit to us. Every corner, every lap. So every, every corner you you need to, to get right, basically, and you need to do that every lap. So that's a, a simple version of it because by the end of the race, you want to have the, quick, the quickest time overall, right? So, and to do that, you need to have every corner, every lap sorted. So um, you can apply that to, to your racing, but I also reckon you could probably apply that to your life as well. So, you know, make every minute count and, and make every day count as well. 100%. And I think that, mate, I think that's actually a perfect way to, to round it off. That's uh, tremendous advice there for anyone who is listening that might be involved in motorsport or getting involved um, in motorsport. And uh, there's been some tremendous insights into the way that you go about your business to get onto the racetrack um, every other weekend. And, um, you know, we wish you and the Mountai team all the best for the remainder of the TCR Australia Championship this year. Thanks very much, mate. Appreciate it. It's been uh, been great to be on. I think the only other thing that I would leave people with is the the angle we were talking about before about sort of you know staying true to yourself, but also just paying it forward and and being a good person gets you a long way um, because that's actually how we met Mountai. So. Um, yeah, for all the cold calling I've done, I've never come across a sponsor as uh, as big as Mountai. And um, and when we got Mountai, it was just through being myself and being a good person. So, Yeah, well, that's tremendous advice, not just in racing, in life in general. If you're a good person, generally good things will happen. Luke, thanks very much, mate. Great to have you on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. And uh, we look forward to keeping an eye on your development on the channels of seven throughout the year. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Good luck, everyone. I trust you enjoyed our chat with Luke King as much as I did. 
I'd recommend almost any young driver to listen to this and start implementing some of Luke's methods around your own racing career. Or make sure you recommend it to someone that might benefit. Of course, feel free to give the Motorsport Coaching Podcast a review on your favourite podcast platform. Thanks once again to Motivate Training for powering the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. All the information you need about Motivate Training's programs across media, mindfulness, nutrition, sponsorship and fitness can be found at motivatetraining.com.au. Oh, it's important to point out too that we spoke a lot about Maltai and Maltai Baiju in the course of this podcast. Please drink responsibly and as you know, you do not drink and drive. We've got some links in the show notes and the places you can keep track of Luke's adventures. We love having you tune in and until next time, keep it fast on the track and safe on the road. You've been listening to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast powered by Motivate Training. I'm Matt Payne and we'll see you then. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Team. Until next time, take care.